0: because uni for me, well, for everyone on my course, did not teach us anything to do with the professional side, didn't teach us anything to do with actually the working side, never got shown how to make an invoice, never got shown how to contact clients, never got shown any of this as part of the curriculum. Now there were um, classes outside of the course, but they were never told to us in class they were never promoted as important steps of for your future if i'm honest i think i learned most of the the actual useful information outside of uni
1: Hi, my name's Matej and welcome to a very special series of episodes at Surviving Art. We're doing market research in London as part of a cultural residency provided by Slovenia's Ministry of Culture and we'll be conducting a series of interviews and talks about the art market in London. In this series, I'll be chatting with book publishers, both emerging and well-established artists, gallerists and other art world professionals. And to kick it all off, today's running gun podcast, meaning, please excuse the London traffic in the background, it's kind of inevitable. So today's podcast is with Lizzie Reed from Lizzie's Lines. We talked about art school and why going to art school might not be the best option, at least not in places where education isn't free. And we also explored her views on the possibilities creatives have in London at this very moment, how a longer hiatus can actually be good for you, and much, much more. Also, you can find all of the link paraphernalia, anyone curious about what Lizzie's work looks like, in the podcast description below. Enjoy.
0: Like I would spend my lunch times in secondary school in the art room and my friends would be like, come on, come out. And I'd be like, no, (laughs) I'm good, I'm happy. Um, And yeah, I just kind of put that pressure on myself to make the most of uni and like, kind of prove to myself that I could do it. But after about two years, I realized that I was working for the grade rather than the work that I was making and like finding out who I personally was as an artist. And so I very, very comfortably took a year out, uh, which was a placement year. So you still got a bit of funding, um, but it was about a third of what you'd normally get for the year from student finance. And that was in order to get the diploma in professional studies as well. So technically I was still studying, but I didn't have to come into uni to do it. It was just about finding internships, working in the industry with people. and yes, yeah, so that was a great year. Uh, I ended up not making anything for about six months and just kind of crashed out completely. Um, but just before going into it, I'd set up the an exhibition platform called Program Perception with a friend. So this kind of gave me the space to just fully go for that. Um, we only had, we only planned to do one exhibition and then it went really well. So we were like, fuck it let's just keep going see see what happens and then we ended up making like logos and business cards made like registered um, as got a business. Some, yeah, yeah yeah but um, we were advised to do it, register as sole traders rather than a partnership because apparently that's better and yeah. just kind of play it as though we were hiring each other's services mm-hmm. even though we were working together it's probably taxes exactly um, but yeah so we ended up doing everything and to do with putting on shows uh, talking with venues and all of that stuff that like I had no idea about Like, we'd never put on a show before and then the first show saw about 80 people through the door and then the the next one was better in curation but worse in turnout so we'd kind of slacked on the promotional side of it so we were learning every single time we did about five shows and supported about 40 40-odd this, um, and it was just great and i just loved the fact that i was starting to understand where money comes into the arts and like seeing that the future in the arts is actually a viable thing um, and yeah so at the same time i was kind of developing my own style but also focusing more on the business side of it and then when I got back to final year, I was just like, right, I'm going to be completely selfish and just make this year about me and what I need to feel like I need to learn rather than working, going back and doing the same thing of working for the grade. So I made it about um, my kind of perception of myself and how, where I was lacking in confidence and things like that. So I ended up doing a lot of poetry to begin with, and then I was playing with, I'm quite a meticulous person. So like I will write everything down. If I go to a talk or a workshop or whatever, I, I've written pages and pages of everything. I don't understand how people don't do it. Because to me, I need to record it to remember it. Um, and all your recordings
1: don't work for you. It has to be written down.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, to kind of cement it almost in my head. Confirm that I actually went there. <laughs> okay. Um, but that ended up getting me in trouble because my tutor was going through my sketchbook and I had pages and pages of writing rather than actually making anything. So then she was like, if I see another page of writing, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> like, you, I don't want to see another page of it. I don't want to hear about it. I just want to see work. And I was like, okay, how do I do that without planning it? It doesn't make any sense. And then I started my series of subconscious drawings and that was just it was a lovely summer that year and then um so i'd be in the garden i would get all my materials out and just go for it and i realized that whilst it wasn't about like being quick with paint or or putting loads on it was i was kind of more patient with it so i'd look at a page and i'd just wait for like a line to come to my mind or like It's almost like you feel it, I feel it in my hand before I see it on the page. And so I ended up making these really like quite minimal but like organic um, pieces on paper initially that were just, some of them will just be two lines out of Posca pens, my favourites, and acrylic paint and then a bit of like tissue paper if I feel like going a bit jazzy. Um, But that really helped me because I realized that this was was my natural way of creating, but without planning and it actually looked good. So I kind of developed a trust in myself and a trust in my eye that whatever I, even if it doesn't turn out to be great, like it doesn't need to be planned. It kind of proved it to myself that I could just make, I'm good, like I can do, I can do, I can make good art without planning it every second, and they encouraged that in me for that final year, and ended up doing very well out of it, and yeah, that was what uni gave to me: first the stress, and then the break, and then like realizing myself.
1: Uh, I'm thinking where you said uh, where you said about the, uh, the 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 part where you kind of, you know, the nudge that you needed and then the subconscious lines and everything you did kind of fell together and pieced together itself. Um, Is it like, is it just creative block kind of a thing or is it like this imposter syndrome kind of thing not knowing if you're good or not and you,
0: It's you know? the imposter syndrome yeah. for yeah. sure because like, yeah. I, as soon as I'd finish these pieces and bring them into uni people would be like oh it's so nicely designed and the word design kept coming up and then like, it's graphical so like graphic design started coming up and I was like well I'm studying illustration and visual media I'm not doing graphic design I, I wouldn't call myself a graphic designer because I'm not studying it and I didn't really, I didn't feel like I had the the kind of backing to be able to call my work that, even though it is quite, it is similar to that. Would you say it's
1: a strong box that you're put in just by being in an academy or a college that you, where you study something, you know, because art is very boxed up, but at the same time everything is kind of everything. Mm. You can't really see, like, what is a drawing? And then eventually somebody makes a, I don't know, Sight Wombly makes paintings with pencils. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's
1: still a painting.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. not a drawing. Yeah. You know what I mean? See, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I'll come back to the um, drawing thing because that's quite important for me. Uh, at my uni, it's it was completely encouraged to do whatever you wanted. So I was on illustration and visual media, but people were making films, people were doing printmaking, people were doing graphic design on the course. People were playing with um, typefaces and font rather than anything necessarily, um, uh, rather than a picture. So yeah, I wouldn't say we were boxed up, but I think it just depends on how you see your art. I think because I knew quite a few people on the graphic de- design courses, I then kind of separated myself from them. They didn't do that to me. They didn't put that in my box. That was in my own head.
1: What happened after college?
0: So after college, um, I had been accepted to, into the Maiden in Arts London collection. So I applied, it was the third time I had applied actually. Um, I applied just before graduating and you kind of send over your portfolio of work and then they get about 200, 300 applications and then they select 30 to 40 artists for their collection of that year. And so yeah, I found out I was selected just before my final year show which was very exciting and I ended up working with them, I think the first time we worked together was in that September, so after I graduated and we had a show at TM Lighting just exhibiting all of the new artists and stuff and they had loads of talks as well about pricing your work beforehand Uh, they also show our work on their online on their website so we had to kind of finalise all of those things have photographs proper photographs of our work beforehand and we did things like uh, working with Canopy Market in Kings Cross so we were encouraged We could do whatever we wanted, but I kind of wanted to um, push my art into a 3D form, so something that people go to markets to buy, like just little trinkets. it was Christmas time gifts kind of ideas. So I ended up applying my art style to candles and out of concrete and then painting them.
1: I'm really interested about this move from going from Art? i'm i'm not sure what your perspective on art was was it mm. art like fine art or because you know you, you speak about art and design and how are your views on that
0: um i don't i don't know okay. <laughs> i okay. don't know like okay. i I'm very comfortable calling myself an illustrator because going back to the point you made about drawing um i use paint in my work as well as ink but I wouldn't class my work as paintings because of the process of it. So for me, my works are more like drawing in terms of the process, being just being with a piece of paper or a canvas or even a piece of wood and almost sketching your idea. And then that being the final idea Mm -hmm. rather than um, kind of, they've always got a conceptual Element behind it, but it's general. It's not forced. Yeah. Um, so, my focus on it being subconscious was in order to me, for me to get out of that kind of meticulous, plan ahead nature. So, but I think all art is conceptual, whether it's conceptualized after or before. And therefore, I don't really, I don't know what the divide is between illustration, fine art, and design because I feel like they can overlap.
1: I get it. I, so, yeah. I I agree. I agree. I, I, for some people, it's important. For some, it's not important. Is why I'm asking. Because yeah. uh, for me, for example, it's not really important. Because everything, anything, can be anything. And if you say this is a drawing yeah. rather than a print or whatever, mm. it's your choice, and it should be taken into consideration when. Learning about your work and reading okay. the whole concept of what your work mm. is about is okay. just a decision.
0: I agree completely. Yeah. Like, they're all seen as a level playing field, I think, especially here. Like, every single type of art you could think of is encouraged in, in everywhere you'd look in London.
1: Would you say, like, from your perspective, where, where is like, is there like a common direction towards which? art is kind of going like if you do art you're supposed to do X or Y mm. or you're supposed to I don't know, They don't want mm. to put words in your mouth like communicate something mm. or express whatever or is it, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah I think there's definitely movements mm-hmm. that uh, become popular So, but I don't think they define what people should be making I think again that's an individual thing of how you then take it on yourself do you take on the fact that right now there's a big move for illustration and kind of simplifying everything visually and using bold colors and being quite graphical in terms of like the the iPad with the Apple Pen. So much art right now is being made with that and I think I am talking largely from a design point of view so i'm thinking of like advertisements that come to mind where they've hired artists to do their new branding for a new campaign there there's definitely a certain aesthetic and style that is popular right now Um, but i don't think that that defines what you should be making because there's a different audience for all of it so there's different galleries different fairs that promote different like themes of work Um, I like the ones that promote them all. So affordable art fair. There was an art fair the other day, just around the corner, Rory's art fair. And they had all kinds of art from photography to um, graphic design, all of it. Painting, painting in my kind of style abstract and then painting in a realism style is, it just depends where you're looking.
1: Sure, sure, really. sure, sure. That, that's what I'm thinking because it's such a broad environment. People can do whatever, and mm-hmm. there is a place for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to ask you like, about the commercial side of art, where I think you're quite well into uh, into the circles of design, if I understand correctly, mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, is, are artists, like younger artists, drawn into working, uh, producing their art as a more commercial kind of for advertisement kind of a way? Uh, Is is, is something like that going on or is it just like a decision, some people like it, some people don't and are there opportunities for like younger artists to do that or is it just, you know, design studios or nothing?
0: I think um, there's opportunity for all of that so it largely depends where you went to uni I think as well because my university is very graphic design and visual communication led whereas Central Saint Martins has a lot of sculpture and fashion and things that aren't wouldn't necessarily be put into the box of commercial art Mm -hmm. and but then there's the ideas behind the work that could be so I think I think it depends where you go and what you're influenced by really it's
1: how they prime really. you in a way as well. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, it's
1: I'm feeling like it's they surround mm-hmm. you
0: by what mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. kind of promoting. Yeah. 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 Uh, at My Uni there was loads there was always shows on um they had uh the Stanley Stanley kubik Kubrick? Kubrick?
1: Yeah. But, the director. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick. They have
0: his whole archive in my university, so okay. that just shows the kind of work, like if you think of Clockwork Orange and that kind of style, and then we, we're always kind of encouraged to re... what's the word, like reshape What? how would we interpret... Mm-hmm our style into their film posters or things like that um oh, it's always a I think, direction yeah right. yeah i think there's a lot of so people from my university there will be a lot of opportunity for their work mm-hmm. to go into commercial uh, advertising things like that they do encourage these kind of different avenues you can take your art down mm-hmm. um i can't really speak for sculpture So I don't know much about those kind of things. But I have I have friends who do sculpture and then they end up doing like residencies and they have more kind of solo shows about their work and group shows, but in public spaces. And yeah, I think it just depends what you're exposed to.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just as job markets are concerned, Mm. uh, how how do you if you're fine with that like how do you manage your life and work right now how do you support yourself right now
0: uh, so right now i'm in a really lucky position because i've moved in to a lower rent house so i am mo- i'm living with my partner's family and before that i moved in ab- about june and before that i was working four days a week at waitressing around the corner and working in central london is mad (laughs) in waitressing it's just it's quite draining and it's busy all the time and it's I've been working in hospitality for like six plus years and I've been working with that particular company for five years so having this opportunity to move out and have my savings to support me I left that job and I just kind of went full throttle into trying to make artwork so Managing my life before was quite difficult. Um, I mean, we're talking like 600 pounds just on rent, not including bills. And the hours that you spend at work are seven hours a day and they're draining, like you are tired after. Um, So my management of that was not very good. Seeing family and friends was like bottom of my list of things to do you'd wake up and you'd think okay I want to work on this but then you've got to leave for work and then by the time you get home it's like not going to happen um yeah it was difficult I definitely went through quite a lot of negative emotions when it came to that I made myself quite ill from it um but now I've had now that I've had that space it's just I'm, I feel like a completely different person like I feel like I'm using my time how i like efficiently and like I'm way better organized and I can have a life and work at the same time and even though I'm not making like I'm not making enough income yet, I'm going for more opportunities even just making art like as soon as i left i would come home and i'd be like oh this is this is the painting and i'd just go wild like i because we got a whole art room downstairs because his family are artistic as well so it wasn't like i had to live out of my bedroom like i was before um and i just the creativity was flowing and i just couldn't quite believe that i was making this work after quite a long time struggling with the balance of it or um but yeah
1: would you say that imbalance was important because you know it's like
0: actually yeah you have to
1: struggle and then when you get the opportunity i think as at least that's like for me you really go for it because you know what you've been missing all that time yeah
0: yeah i totally agree i totally agree like if i hadn't have had those experiences i might have been taking it a little bit for granted like space mm. creative space and of your physically and of, in your mind like it's just it I value it so much more now knowing that I don't want to go back to that so in a way it's almost made me more ambitious as well and it's forced me to be more confident in my work as well
1: can I ask you something if I understand correctly because I'm not exactly sure but the point where education is concerned in England most of higher education if not all of it you have to pay for Mm -hmm. is that correct
0: so you don't pay out of your pocket straight away you get given you go with student finance Mm -hmm. so they will give you a maintenance loan uh, which is just for your living expenses and yeah yeah, just for living and it narrowly covers rent for the year Um. so Most students would have to, if they don't have the support from their families, they would have to work as well to boost that up. Because for example, my first year, it it only covered my rent. So that didn't include food or anything else on top of that travel, anything like that. Um, So yeah, you get given the maintenance loan, which is given in three segments throughout the year. And that's about, depending on your family background, uh, as in financially. Yeah, because um, it's a so lot, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. However, it's based on your, how much your parents earn. Mm-hmm. However, it's not considering the fact that you might have 12 brothers and sisters at home. Your family could be earning loads of money, but there's 12 of you that they've got to support. It doesn't account for everything. Okay. Um, So yeah, I I ended up getting the maximum. Um, It also depends if you're living in London, you get more if you live in London because everything's more expensive. And then you get your tuition fees paid straight to the university. So right now, they might have changed, but for me it was nine grand a year to the university and 10 grand a year to me uh, for maintenance. And yeah, and then you don't pay any of that until you're earning over twenty one thousand pounds a year after you've graduated. Okay. And then in order to pay that back there's there's interest on it every single day and you they take um, quite a small percentage, can't remember the exact amount, okay. at, from your wages. Okay. Once you're earning over that amount.
1: Okay. But in the
0: meantime it's just building and building and building. <laughs> I get it.
1: And the interest is is, a, is like is it a lot at the end? Is it I think like it's American? Something like three percent. It's not it's uh, not great.
0: I can't I can't it's quite remember but yeah. don't it's, quote me on that. Okay, but. it's not bad
1: but it's not great. No. Like 3% compound, that's a fucking lot. It's a lot of money. Cuz that's that like 10 years, lot. right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So basically this course cost me about um well, 19 grand a year for 3 years yeah. and I got a maintenance loan on my placement year which was 3000 pounds. So 19 size 3 plus 3 that's, that's pretty much plus like interest. 4
1: or 5 years of working and then you might have paid it off kind of but not really it's
0: much more than that it's more than that right? <laughs> I think it's, yeah. it'll take a bit longer than that to okay. pay it off
1: okay Okay. a
0: lot of people um, don't end up paying it off I think um, like, I think it goes it disappears after something crazy like 50 years <laughs> like they, they just they just go okay that's it you don't have to pay anything after 50 years so but it's still a long time
1: it's 50 years it's 50 years you know and they deducted unless i don't know because 20 grand in london isn't that much no and no. so you either have to live a poor life to mm-hmm. then not owe anyone anything because mm-hmm. you're poor anyway you you couldn't even if you wanted to wow uh, for example in slovenia everything is free yeah right? all of the education is free healthcare is free like
0: I've got a friend in um, Denmark who is actually being paid to study and so she's just she did the right thing there (laughs) she's able to able just to live without worrying and then uh, I think it's very much sold that you know you're not going to be paying it back in huge amounts it's it's gradual but that gradual amount is for it pretty much forever.
1: Would you say it was worth it? Considering what you could have done just on your own, as like, I don't know, artist cooperative, something, people you know, friends of friends, whatever. Hi, would you like, I don't know, can I clean things for you and you mentor me? Kind of a, this is more and more interesting for a lot of young people, like mentorship, where people work for free. And have you ever thought about the, you know, juxtaposition of this to either that?
0: I think now, looking back and everything that I learned, I definitely could have learned without uni, because uni for me, well for everyone on my course, did not teach us anything to do with the professional side, didn't teach us anything to do with actually the working side never got shown how to make an invoice, never got shown how to contact clients, never got shown any of this as part of the curriculum. Now there were um, classes outside of the course, but they were never told to us in class, they were never promoted as important steps of for your future. It was always about the deadlines you had for the projects you were doing, which really frustrated it was so frustrating because i would go to all of these talks and i would never see any of my classmates there i'd tell them about it but i'd never see them there because they've got to go to uni and then go to work they've got to like there isn't that time for a lot of people a lot of people had other responsibilities Mm -hmm. like and then the fact that these are kind of extra curriculum you're expected to to do it all yourself without any support from the tutors that you're having the most contact with, it's almost like they don't, there's no sense of importance about it. And so therefore, if there's a student like I was, who was working thinking, oh, the grade, the grade, the grade, they're not gonna see that as important until the moment they leave and they realize, oh, right, what, what now? Cause it's not, yeah. there's no grade I'm gonna get now. Yeah. I need to actually work. Oh wait, but I don't even know where to begin. And that's what was so important about the placement year for me and I just always knew that I wanted to be sure about opportunities afterwards but there's a lot of students who just didn't have the time to do that and if it was if it was you know you have your set times to come in and you have your tutorial then you have your crit about your work then and then you have a course on pricing you have a module on contacting people, how to word an email, things like that. How to do your CV as part, like set in stone. I think that would have made, that would just make a huge difference to a lot of people. So if I'm honest, I think I learned most of the, the actual useful information outside of uni. So yeah, I could have, I could have done it without uni.
1: Which is a scary thing to think. It's,
0: it's, I don't like to think it. Yeah, yeah I know, <laughs> I know. I've done it now, but <laughs> <laughs> it's done. Um, but it's true. And I think that's thus there's so many self-taught artists out there. Like people do make it work, but it also depends if you have the support to do that. Sure. If you sure. if you know people who are creative and your family's creative and they kind of encourage that in you, that you can do it and that there's all these opportunities out there, just open, waiting, like free. Everything's online, your podcast. I've learned so much for free on through people online or through magazines or through just anything you want to learn, you can search it up. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't have the support to do that or if people assume that university is going to give you all of this, Actually, it just gave me the space to experiment, which I would have had, which you have anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. especially you if you don't work with like, expensive equipment like mm. printing presses.
0: That is the great thing. You have access to all of the facilities. So my uni had loads of really old printmaking machines that were amazing, and the photography studios and things like that. You were, you're definitely exposed to a lot of um, new ways of working. But i think that kind of experimentation can also come without the university hmm. youtube tutorials yes. on absolutely everything yes you see a piece of art you like you want to research how it was made look at the the description below it you can find out yeah quite easily yeah um i think it's yeah. a,
1: the way i look at it the educational machine is a giant ship and it will not turn it might slowly but probably not because they're also afraid of capitalism and you know like substituting grades for like pay mm-hmm. like imaginary paychecks you get mm-hmm. it's like if you've done a good job you get a big imagine I'm, not, I'm blowing it out of my ass but you know what I mean mm-hmm. like some form of trying to adjust the educational system to the current well, state of affairs all around us in real life is probably not going to happen very soon if, if at all because uh, we're still doing education like they did in the 19th yeah. century. Yeah. And it was built by industrialists to make factory workers. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking yeah. like, it it doesn't make sense, but it might not change because it's been like that for 200 years and we have internet and so many things happen in between. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, well, primarily why I do like the podcast and all the video series and everything is probably, pretty much researching for myself because uh, I think it's a very nice compliment that's quickly catching up to the educational system and I think it might actually sooner or later overturn it in a way. Universities right now I think are already noticing a drop in students mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like obviously universities here are paid by tuition fees ours are paid by government so they don't care really They also the quality is shitty in a way not everywhere but some universities are kind of kind of shitty because government pays you know mm. you gotta check whatever uh, but here you have to but um, but yeah um, I wanted to ask you about cooperative spaces
0: with my friend yes. when I set up yes. that yes. Uh, yeah that was just a personal thing mm-hmm. it wasn't like um. Do you mean like institutions that? I wouldn't call them institutions, it
1: or? or just like you and your friend deciding to do shows and so on. Yeah, I'd call that like an artist cooperative kind of a thing. Yeah, not necessarily having a space because I don't know if you had a space. We didn't have a space. Pop-up, right? It was just
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the shows were pop-ups, and uh, they were at ch- there was the first two shows were with a charity venue um, in Brixton called Raw Material and then because we liked using non-traditional gallery spaces because we wanted, we did live music as well so we were promoting uh, emerging artists and musicians. So we called our first exhibition programmed Perception and it was about gentrification particularly focused on the gentrification of South London and so having it in Brixton was great because that's literally a prime example of somewhere that is kicking out the people who are from Brixton in order to bring in people with more money and to bring a certain aesthetic to to it to make it more popular uh, which was really quite I think it, it grinds on a lot of people especially if you're from London and you see it happening like I've never seen Brixton the way it is now and a lot of people walk through it just it's almost unrecognisable especially the people who are who were living there in the cafes and the coffee shops and all of that um so yeah we started it because (laughs) ella's boss at a jazz music venue wanted to put on an event on a thursday night and ella had just started making art in her shed just playing with spray paint and she i had recently got together with her brother we all live together now and she came to me and was like, there's a space on Thursday evenings at the at my work and I want to put on an exhibition. Would, do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to help? So yeah, sure, it sounds like fun. I was obviously in second year at the time. So I there's an incredible amount of artists that we could select from and everyone would have been interested for the experience side of things. And yeah, so we ended up putting on that show at another venue because that venue pulled out about two weeks before the actual show we found another venue really quickly and it was the charity in brixton raw material and it was so much better suited because the jazz music venue was actually a bit not an ex it was not an example of gentrification but it was more it was more um it wasn't as connected to the community of the local area whereas this charity is literally about supporting um, young musicians and particularly people with like learning difficulties and things like that so it was just perfect and we had three floors and about something ridiculous like 15 artists we had film we had sculpture photography everything painting and we had three live acts as well so that was a lot of work and we ended up putting it on within three months of deciding we were going to do this and we just fully went for it and I I think because of the kind of people that we were like I'm quite particular and I like things to be like I'm a bit of a perfectionist so that kind of helped with the just the fact that we were going to fully immerse ourselves into this opportunity we were going to make it beyond people's expectations like we just wanted to make it good we didn't want to just turn up with a bunch of art and stick it on the windowsill and you know stick it up with some blue tack we wanted it to be a proper show and also one that we kind of dreamt of it was we wanted it to be a party we wanted it to be some somewhere young people want to go and see not kind of reduce the like prestigiousness of white walled galleries and just make it about conversation and like continuing that conversation after the show as well um so yeah and it turned out to be really good and we learned so much about the curation because we put the last painting up about a minute before we opened the doors and like we organized the security and like the posters and like promotion online and set up our instagram page and everything and then yeah, and we were just like, well, that was a lot of stress, but a lot of fun. Should did do it again? <laughs> and then we ended up doing it three, four more times. Um, and each time just got better and better. And I think what I loved about working with Ella is we are two quite opposite people. So where I had my strengths and she had hers, like we could learn from each other. And I think that was just so important, the fact that we weren't kind of stepping on each other's toes and like we both knew that the way that we worked, we both were friends, we gave each other the space to like stress about a a little tiny section of the poster that wasn't quite perfect enough for me. Like she'd let me just go wild on it, whereas she was into music so she understood all of the tech that needed to be set up for the exhibitions and stuff. I had no idea about all of that so I just left that to her and yeah it was just great. And for some reason we just really worked well together, having never worked together before and never putting on a show before.
1: (laughs) It's a cool experiment. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to ask you like when you said there's a lot of conversations you know about like how to make museums more accessible to all sorts of people, not just young people or us, or, or just anyone who isn't particularly interested in art. And I'd really like to hear your views. Like, what do you think?
0: I think it comes down to feeling welcomed. Um, we went to quite a few private views and openings uh, around Mayfair and things like that to just kind of see what was going on in the scene and how people were at these spaces. And they were largely older white people and there was a there'd be jazz playing and wine and cheese and things like that and us walking in and wanting to wear trainers and baggy jeans and a t-shirt which is perfectly fine like but you walk in and you're immediately kind of treated as different and not worthy of being in the space i remember this one show (laughs) this woman was trying to take a picture in front of a piece of work that I was looking at, at the time and like talking to Ella about it and stuff. And she just kind of shooed me. She just shooed me out of the way. And I was like, sorry, I'm just looking at this. So could you just give us a minute? And then she kind of got a bit funny about it. And I was just like, we're both here, supporting the same artist, appreciating the same work. However, for some reason, you, you can't say, excuse me, do you mind if I just get a picture with this? You know, and so that kind of naturally is like a no-go for a lot of people similar to myself and a lot of other young artists from London. And it's just not a space that feels like you can be yourself in.
1: But it's not the dress code, is it? It's just no. like the people who wear the fucking dress code. Yeah. It's, it's... It's... I my idea is, uh, it's not even the, 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 the spaces or the the way they're organized. Okay, some people like wine and cheese, whatever. Yeah. Some people like beer. I have been to exhibitions where Art for Millions, they had like, what was it? Like Corona Beer. Mm-hmm. Like there was no wine. It's not one, any one of these kind of um, more surface things that happen at these events. It's literally just the vibe of the people that come there that need... Because in a way, I feel like people who come to exhibition openings of that kind of a sort also need some reassurance. And they need to get that reassurance from like-minded people. But the point is that like-minded for them isn't really, you know, the best kind of person you could be. Mm -hmm. And everybody's just like looking at each other and trying to judge, am I dressed well enough? Mm -hmm. Is she dressed well enough? Mm -hmm. Or he or whatever, does he have a better watch than me? Mm -hmm. And it's not that much about art, whereas it's just about showing up and putting some form of action out into space and saying like, okay, I think I'm a successful individual and people that look like t-shirts and sneakers and whatever the fuck they are obviously not successful individuals and in a way they probably even like you being there because now they feel better about themselves Mm. but I think it's like a very very shitty space to be life-wise or just like art-wise it doesn't matter it just doesn't make sense but I feel like all of these big areas have a lot of that
0: yeah I feel like there was that 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 was the reason why we started it so mm. it wasn't so much to say that those spaces are not worthy it, it was more to say to people look there are those kind of events but they're not all like that yeah. the, there are ways that everyone can feel welcome and enjoy art without feeling a need to stare at a piece and come up with some kind of philosophical reasoning like oh my god it's (laughs) like we just wanted to show that that people can have access to art in other ways in other formats and in ways that are enjoyable and entertaining not just silent or coated in jazz which i like jazz don't get me wrong it's fine (laughs) we wanted to cater it to an audience basically yeah. and that audience was younger people and it was about showing the talent the younger talent that isn't being represented in as many places as we would like to to have seen would
1: basically. you say music played a big role in these events yeah. massively yeah yeah also for like all of the people coming there they expect music to be there or they like it to be there
0: i think they like it to be there it just adds another reason to stay in the space it's 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 just adds a whole another vibe to a place it's like you can just walk in and enjoy sound while at art and talking rather than just having the the kind of parameters that are set with a space where you walk around see the art once you've seen the art you maybe go around again, maybe a third time, and then that's it. Whereas with music you can kind of stop and just not really focus on anything in particular. It fills
1: the void, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. Like we had a soundscape for one uh, show and that was all about, it was Modern Daydream at Rich Mix. the musician that we had for the soundscape is an incredible she's so amazing um, her name's Eva and she designed this whole soundscape around the brief of modern daydreaming and what that means to her and it was kind of about this it was commented on reality but also just bringing people into the, the sound, it just brought you into a new space. It, it brought you away from the outside world and really like closed you off within the walls, but then opened your mind a little bit because you kind of stop thinking about everything else once there's sound, there's, there's, it's like an interruption in a way. It was all about kind of giving the artists the opportunity to have that professional experience as well of being part of a gallery, because some of the, a lot of the artists hadn't exhibited at all before um so we you know the artist liaison that we did where we were communicating with them about their brief and like getting updates on their work and Mm -hmm. simple things right down to hanging how they're going to frame things like that um experiences that weren't offered by uni at that point or if they were it was competition based so a lot of people wouldn't have got it obviously because of the competition of it all sure Sure. And it was the same for the musicians. So we had um, Joy Crooks at the second exhibition, who's now doing amazingly well, and she's just incredible. And I think me and Ella found, not found her, but we went to her gig with Sofa Sounds. Have you heard of Sofa Sounds no. before? So it's it's a really really cool uh, business that finds little cozy spaces to put on music shows. So there was the canvas cafe which is just down the road mm-hmm. they have a downstairs space and there was all cushions and seating and it was just like really small really like intimate spaces where they have bands and singers play who aren't like they could be the biggest thing like i think bastille played with them and then people who are more unknown like they had a really good range of people but it was about being part of this little community that knew about these secret events and we went to one of those because I was living over the road at the time and Joy was playing and it's just such a it was just such a different environment because once they finished playing I got chatting to Joy like it wasn't it wasn't as though you couldn't talk to the musicians or and that was really nice and she was saying how she was finding it hard to find spaces to play because she didn't she was 17 at the time I think and she didn't have the money to pay for venue spaces to let her play and people weren't really paying for them to play it was like about the exposure and stuff like that so i told her about what we were doing and she was like yep i'm up for it only the second exhibition like she had no idea like what what are out like how many people we have at the show or anything and it turns out we had a very small number of people at that particular show and i found myself like apologizing for it but she was like it's fine like i just want to I just want to play music and this is and it was about the environment that she loved like it was it was based on political power that show and a lot of her songs at the time were about ele- living in elephant and castle so it was kind of that the changes that were happening to her hometown and like her her love for her hometown which is very much portrayed as like a bad area of london but coming from people who aren't from that area. So it was important for her to kind of share those messages. And yeah, she's doing amazingly now.
1: Oh, that's great. That's great. I love this idea of just working together. And because obviously there's no spaces if you look around, but you can make spaces so easily. Mm-hmm. Even just here, it's incredibly easy because there's so many venues. You can just chat up the proprietors like, say, Hi, or, I don't know, you want to do something? Yeah. I'll do it for free be, just because I want to and I want to try it. It might not be the best kind of gig I could do mm. or you could get, but it's free. And you're giving somebody an opportunity to try, and maybe you know we figure it out, and the fifth or the sixth one will be great. Yeah. And that's how a lot of businesses, projects, everything starts is from nothing.
0: Yeah, it's about starting. Yeah. That's that's one of my biggest lessons. If you don't start, you're never gonna know. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. I love the story when uh, there was a reporter. He was quite a rude fellow. He asked Edison like. Oh, Edison, you know, you invented the light bulb, but it took you like 20,000 times and you failed so much. Like, how how did you manage to keep on working? It's like, I didn't fail 20,000 times. It just, the light bulb's an invention with 20,000 steps. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. And just this change of perspective, which literally is just a change of perspective. I think people throw that around a lot without kind of giving the gist to a lot of us. Like, what does that mean, changing perspective? Is that like is this enough you know what I mean is mm-hmm. that a physical thing no it's just you really have to do something incredibly hard which is view something from a space that is not your current kind of run and gun here and there work sleep whatever but kind of a peaceful space and say like okay this is I see it like this but somebody else told me that it could be different why is that he's not dumb he's mm-hmm. just different
0: Yeah, that's why we were called program perception as well, because we just really liked the idea of challenging the perception of a lot of people's ideas of what an art gallery would look like. And they're kind of not willing, not 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 willing, but kind of not interested in viewing that kind of art in that way, or like going up to central London and being in those spaces. So we wanted to show a different way that they could be they could be presented.